The college basketball season is right around the corner. And I wanted to squeeze another stat chat in, and I was thrilled to have this guest on the show, uh, Kyle Smith. So welcome back to Stat Chat. I'm Dave Klatsky of Colgate Men's Basketball, and I think you'll enjoy this this uh, chat we had today. Kyle is is uh, uh, one of the people I respect most in this business. He, if you are a follower of this show, you know that his teams are very analytical, value statistics a lot. Um, we've had a couple of his assistants or former assistants on the show, and they've talked a little bit about what they do and how they do it, but. As he says in the show, you need the buy-in from the head coach, and he is certainly bought in to analytics and finding the things that lead to winning. So we talk a lot about a lot about his hustle stats. Uh, I shouldn't say his hustle stats, about the hustle stats that they incorporate in all their practices and games. And to me, it's it's terrific because as coaches, you're always trying to quantify things that lead to winning, and they've kind of they've kind of done that. So. Um, I hope you enjoy this one. Kyle's a guy that has been kind enough to let me sit in on a few practices, and and I, I really like the way they run practice and kind of their goals going into the practice, and we talk a little bit about that. But um, just to get a head coach's perspective on all these things is great to hear, especially for a current assistant that one day wants to be a head coach like myself and I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there. So, um Sit back, enjoy it. Let's get this season started. Uh, hopefully, this will kind of get you get you ready for uh, what's coming in the next couple weeks. Welcome back to Stat Chat. Today's guest is Kyle Smith. Kyle joins us from beautiful West Coast, where he's currently the head coach of the San Francisco Dons. Previously, he was a head coach at the Columbia Ivy League Columbia School and with stints before that as assistant coach at Air Force, San Diego, and St. Mary's. Um, Kyle, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. Uh, all right, I just want to jump right into this. We've had a lot of, a couple, I should say, of Kyle's assistants or former assistants on, and uh, I feel like I'm bringing the Don on today uh, after having some of his underlings. But uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, hustle stats that listeners have uh, kind of become accustomed to uh, uh, with, with your assistants talking about it. Um, now, when I hear, when I first heard hustle stats, I immediately thought it had something to do with like, you know, the diving on the floor plays or, or things like that, but it really encompasses everything. Um, and I think we'll get more into it, but can you just uh, explain a little bit about the hustle stats and the origins of it? Oh. I love it. It's an origins podcast. That's what I was hoping for. Um, no, honestly, uh, I'll give you the, the bank really is, comes from my high school coach, um, who was a legend in Texas. Rick Shirley he won 800 plus games, but in, uh, public school in Texas, everyone coaches a lot of sports back then and, and mostly football. So you come through football, so you're used to juggling five different things. So as a way of being efficient, I say it's it's really kind of football-derived, to be honest. Um, and so this is all manual. This is pre-PCs, pre-PCs, pre-computers almost, where this guy who would teach 
four biology classes a day and then coach three teams a day. And he pub- published these basically hustle stats, which were rudimentary in the sense that what most people think of, you know, deflections. And at the time, probably ahead of the game, you know, charges, blocks, you know, loose balls, floor burns. We actually wore knee pads and everyone clowned us. Ailey Hastings High School literally wore knee pads. Everyone was mandated to wear knee pads because we we got on the floor so much and, you know, just for safety reasons. Um, Now, if you ever saw one of the teams I coach now, we're never on the floor, which is embarrassing, but (laughs) that's a whole other story. But it kind of is that, and it's like, and uh, I like to call these guys achievers, but it's basically if you'd like to know where, where it basically is giving us where you stood every day. How'd you do in practice? Uh, how, how are you doing overall? What are, here's ways to improve. And I'm going to play these guys that do these things. Um, so just kind of putting the carrot out there. That was kind of the idea. Um, and then fast forward to I was at University of San Diego with Hank Egan, who was, uh, you know, graduate, played coach at Air Force for a long time, uh, played at Navy, um, pretty hard nosed guy. Uh, and we'd always flirt around with the idea of doing something like that. And it was, and it was always like, it's a huge commitment, you know, any kind of like, if you can't follow through on it every day, it's not worth doing. I'm like, absolutely right. <laughs> and if I, you don't have buy-in from the head coach, then it's absolutely not worth doing. Um, and that's why I kind of, so we kind of flirt around with, we never got to it with Hank because he just, you know, he was preset in his ways. He's going to do it. Sure. Um, you just got to do what the heck did. That's for all assistants out there. I <laughs> said recruiting everything. <laughs> just get the players, the guy, the, the guy can coach, and you'll be a lot happier. Don't worry about anything else. But along the same lines. Um, and then really one year at University of San Diego, um, I was working for Brad Holland, and we were terrified of – we didn't think we were going to get a rebound. They were start, we were like 6'7", six, 6'6", six, 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 six front line. <laughs> and I said, hey – I don't know if this is something we want to do. And it's a little bit of stolen. I, I think the Knicks with Riley slash Van Gundy were big on these rebounding stats of whatever it was, blockouts, missed blockouts, tips. No, but just measuring all that stuff. And, um, and I said, that's similar to what I was doing, you know, in high school. I said, we want to try this. And we said, so the, for the fall, we said, hey, we're going to do this. Um, rebounding the guys at, at each position, whoever is their best rebounder, or whatever is going to be, we're going to start them the first scrimmage or whatever. And let's just see if we get results. So at least we're, our emphasis is we're, our biggest concern is we're not going to be able to get a rebound. So if we do this every day, measure it every day, um, and put the work in, let's see what we get. And lo and behold, that little scrappy squad was plus 6.6 on the glass that year and top 30 in the country. Um, and so we looked at each other and <laughs> said, hey, Maybe we're on to something. Does this work for other aspects? So eventually, over years, we've built it out. I left San Diego. We didn't do that at Air Force. They thought I was nuts. Joe Scott said, ah, get out of here, as you might imagine. So like I said, as a good assistant, I was like, let the maestro work. He's one of the best coaches that have been around. Unbelievable. Um, I felt like there's – and I really think, like, utilizing for what your program needs, these hustle stats, like, that would be a way to – create efficiencies. I've also pitched a lot of NBA guys. <laughs> hey, you ever need me? I can sit right there between management and coaching. <laughs> yeah. And I can I can I think I can make your I can make your program a little better. But but um 
and there really was a, what kind of um, <laughs> there's a long origin story, by the way. But that really what happened when Randy Bennett and I got together at St. Mary's. We inherited probably one of the worst teams in Division One, two and twenty-seven program that I don't think had a. I had one Division One win, and it's perfect for establishing a culture of how we're going to play and create an identity. And we really didn't. We didn't do it the first year. I think it was year two. We finally said, "Let's go all in. Let's do this." Um, and it was more because we weren't. I don't know. Some of our talented players didn't feel like they were practicing well enough, and we're going through and couldn't really figure out, sort out our lineup and whatever. So let's see if this, you know. And we did it about three weeks into practice. A couple. And this is a scary part, which most coaches can't do, and that's why I don't mind sharing it because it's really terrifying. So <laughs> your best talents are often going to challenge you and not follow along or whatever, and you have to sit them. So did that. Improved Proved out that hey, these the guys that do these things right can help you win the most, and the other guys fell fell in line, or some didn't, and that, that's the risk you run with it. But that's that's so the let me let me uh, let me uh, ask you a few questions on that. So sure. um, one of the things I love about the hustle stats, and I think what makes them so valuable is you you guys and tell me if this is wrong of how it went down, but you kind of sat down and said. What's important? So, uh, just to give a little background, you guys, sure. it's, there's basically offense, defense, and rebounding. Is that right? Three different things that you guys track every day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those, those are three main things. With yeah, the emphasis, and then within, I think the, the secret sauce is, is passing as part of the offense. Passing, trying to okay, as part of the offense. And I think you talked about that with Kevin and other people. Right. Like just trying to quantify. Basically, honestly, our whole program is about quantifying everything. And, Make it yeah, so, so that, that's the tangible. part I, I love because you you guys and is this how it went down that you kind of sat down with Randy or whoever was on staff at the point uh, with you guys and said, all right, what do we want to look for in our players that leads to winning? And you know, like you said, uh, a pass that leads to a shot that doesn't go in is still a good play. A um, you know, I'm I'm thinking more. I don't, I don't know all of them by heart like you probably do, but yeah, yeah, yeah. on the rebounding no. side, like if you get two feet in the paint on a shot from the opposite side, you get a point or whatever yeah. your scoring system is. So how did you um, did you guys just sit down and kind of what do we like? What do we want to emphasize? And then let's put a value towards. It? Is that kind of how it went down? Kind of how it went down. You know, honestly, a little bit was. The build out was this is sounds this sounds funny now because it's so prevalent everything we do. I was the first or we were, I should say, Randy. We were selling it. I don't actually I can't even say Randy because he didn't even read the book, but I was like, I read Moneyball. I was like, Oh, that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially that's yeah. what we're doing here at St. Mary's knowing yeah. that we're we're find, we're finding odd shaped guys and we have this three hundred pound center with with, you know, chicken legs. That couldn't move, but I'm like, he grabs every rebound, he puts the ball in the basket, he doesn't, he's not, you know, he ended up being Omar's tam hand. But that was kind of the, the piece was like, just finding productivity in, and when your program was 2 and 27, and the people that, you know, people are sending you players, they think you're garbage. Right, right. Like, when you're 2 and 27. So you really right. have the, you know, do some, find the needle in the haystack where reason something, and it's, it's going to be some funny looking guys that maybe, maybe it's an undersized guy, 
uh, or, you know, guy, you know, whatever, probably undersized or overweight or something. That it's the same thing, though, I deal with Moneyball with them finding baseball. They found the value was getting on base. They revolutionized the sport and changed it forever. And then our whole idea was we're such a bad ball handling team. I said, we can force incentivize these guys to share the ball, pass the ball, and creating those values. And, and then it was trial and error, a lot of it, you know, what's, and it still is to this day, like, because there's, you know, you can look at how you performed the year before and say, hey, we need to get better in this area. And we'll try to tweak some things. Um, like I said, on the rebound, what really incentivizes us to do that San Diego. Um, but when you do that, you lose something else. you got to be careful. You don't know. But but that's kind of how you do it on the head. It's like, hey, we're, we, the first thing I said, we got to get the rebound. So this can be very important to us. And some of the downsides of it, I would say, like, when we started our starting lineup there, it, it, my own biases, because I'm like, I know who I think should be starting, but I, right. this guy's in junior. And, and I actually was just scrimmaged Cal Baptist. I saw Rick Coyne. He goes, who are you starting? I said, I, go, I said, I'm just, he, he worked at St. Mary's, too. And I said, I can hustle stats. I said, I, I know. These are my best five. And sure enough, we're up four, 14 to 5 in the first media time. <laughs> I like, right. I guess we're all right. right. Whatever. You know, we just like, yeah, something to start. And it really emphasizes. Well, we do really, I always say this really, uh, it makes it tough to beat. That's the idea behind it, really, because we're going to really emphasize guys are defending well, rebounding well, taking care of the ball. Um, and hopefully, if every, if we feel like they're all things that everyone can do pretty well to an extent. And then your size, length, and talent should separate you eventually. Um, right. The talented guys, right. they really concentrate on those things and they're going to separate because they're going to be making baskets in this. They're going to be making – they're going to affect the thing. But there's there's a lot of glitches in it, trust me. Yeah, it, it, it's – I mean, it, it's essentially – and this is kind of what I want to get to. It's essentially arbitrary. I mean, just, you know, some of these uh, things that, you know, uh, a live ball turnover being minus seven, a regular turnover minus six, you know. But then you also have things in there which I think are really important, like just going back to the rebounds stuff. Like a missed box out or a whiff, you know, like you're yeah. gonna get minus one or two, whatever, whatever you guys have. And if you crunch yeah. down, you 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 get a, a plus. So there's so yeah. many things that went into this. I mean, you're talking. I, I don't even know what the total is. I'm looking at a, a sheet here. It looks like about eighty yeah, different things. So how did you? And and at the end of the day, it, it, there is value. Like we talk, you, you talk a lot about quantifying the things mm-hmm. that aren't in a box score, but the other other thing that you guys do is you do value scoring. Like at the end of the day, you got to put the ball in the hoop and that's, you know, so like your scorers do get valued correctly. And I'm just trying to figure out, I'm no, sure. They don't. Can, they don't. They don't. Not, not enough. Or they you, don't. you don't think. Uh, I, scoring is worth a lot. I love it. It yeah, feels good. No, yeah. But, but here's the thing. I've, we've done it. I've had two different years where here's my biggest, uh, we could go on the recruiting piece. It's like my biggest fear, and my staff knows this, I said there's two things, guys, have the two most important things in our program for a recruit are can they defend their position, can they make a shot. Now, if we have 13 guys on scholarship that can do that, the system works great. Right. You know, like we can <laughs> fix everything. But what happens is a guy that can't make a shot, that we do love, the guys that can have good field, make plays, da, da, da. but if they can't score, I think they 
There are not good scores. I shouldn't say the low usage. The low usage guy can really rise to the top of our system, which they are about. They're really valuable when your program is the dirt. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, you know you what? They're also really valuable as fourth and fifth options, or you know, yes, um, yes, yes. So guys is what. I can't. That's what I say. Like these are eighteen to twenty-two year olds. Are not NBA players. Are not. We're not doing you know, because really, fun thing about Division One coaching is really you're the general manager and the coach. Really, that's essentially what our job is. I mean, some guys do it differently. So, trying to explain to the guy like, "Hey, you're paddling for the fourth. <laughs> you, here's what you're playing for. You guys, you're in this group. You're playing, trying to get this role of the fourth and fifth option on the floor because you're blenders. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's not a good recruiting pitch. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, turn down and go be the fourth and fifth option. Unless you really move, be a ball mover. Hey, we really about you know like that doesn't work a lot of but also those guys are also available with no other options too because like you know, just guys and you know the guys we have some guys you guys went to Colgate we had Columbia Isaac Cohen who was just one of my favorite guys he did everything well except look at the basket I mean just a phenomenal feel to play really really was often they played all five positions uh, yeah. Yeah, he really did. He guard, yeah. guard all five to a degree, six, three and a half at the time. He didn't, yeah, he didn't beat you. I mean, that, that's what I'm saying is he's the perfect yeah. guy. Like, I always – I like to – a lot of times I'll say things like, that guy's the best player on a fifth-place team. That's his stealing, right? And that, yes. that, to me, means you're not a winner. Whereas you, some guys are best players on the first or second-place team. Then, then you'll have a guy that I'll be like, that guy's a – he's a starter on a winning team. And that to me well, got, is, is important, you know. Like you got to, you got to find think, those guys. I think they all gonna say no, no. This is I, here's the, here's what Isaac Cohen was. Right? I think he could have played at UConn. He could have played at Florida International. He could play, play anywhere. Yeah. The same player. He's absolute yep. same player, and it's good, and it's a piece that uh, everyone needs. And he's, you know, I remember one time we had got hit with the flu. We lost all three point guards and said, "You're the point guard tonight." At Brown, we. We lost at the buzzer, but like, <laughs> it was our starting foreman or something. <laughs> it was like, yeah, pretty good. That was two hours before. And just like, hey, and I literally, I remember the first media. We, we, it was actually Model Low was young. It's like, this didn't look. This he was playing off the ball. And then you're, said, no, Isaac, you're a point guard tonight. And he, <laughs> whatever he was, he was good. And then he went. The only guy got healthy. Went yeah. right back to doing what he did before. So okay, yeah. yeah so that's, so that's the, coming back to the to the original question because. We, kind of tangent yeah. off there. Uh, um, the value that you place on these things, like, it, does yeah. it, has it been tweaked over the years? Or, you know, because the, the one thing when I first saw these as a statistical mind, I was like, what does that value mean? Does that mean that, like, you know, uh, let's see, a minus well, a turnover is three times as bad as a missed box out? Like, it's clearly you know, there's no way to value here's that. What, here's what people – here's what I think in this have noted in the office where I think people get – they start comparing what a missed blockout is to a turnover or a missed blockout is to a made basket and say, well, that's not the same. I'd say, nope, that's not how you look at it. This is rebounding, and it's really rebounding. It's blockout to missed blockout ratios is what you're looking for. And because there's always going to be – every time a shot goes up, there's an exchange. You blockout, missed blockout to – and so it's more that raw number versus – and, yeah, rebounding is over – probably over – probably worth more than – but that's kind of what you're working on early in the year. 
is building good habits in that. Um, so what, if we're doing this during in February or whatever, like whatever might be different. Um, but we still use these stats, but it's just a good measuring stick. So over the years, as I said, that's why you got to be careful. Like, hey, we want to get on the offensive glass this year. Um, we're going to increase the value of offensive rebounding. Or whatever. how could it, you know? How could our rebounds be worth more? Or how could a blockout, you know, two blockouts is worth a rebound? A rebound getting the ball is worth one. I'm like, I've been there and said, I agree. Let's do that. And guess what? It <laughs> it altered everything. All of a sudden, we weren't blocking yeah. out anything. You know, it's like it's a hard concept. To, you know, like that. Those things, yeah. like when you tweak the value, you get unintended consequences. That's the scary part that you just don't know, and you think, oh, I'll, no, you don't know what's going on. And if you really want to get really in the weeds, you know, I would. We we haven't done this, but I almost want to say, like, on the rebounding set, you're a retriever, you're a blocker, and you'd evaluate. You'd like Jimbo Lowe would be a blocker, and like Jimbo's not going to go get balls out of his area, but he's six eleven, two sixty five. He's going to put you. Want, you got to take up that space and just, and then whatever it is. It's, guy was having St. Mary's, Diamond Simpson. He, he rarely, he had a great instinct for the ball. He would just check and go. And yeah. he, should, yeah. he shouldn't get penalized for, he was an awesome rebounder. He should not get penalized right. that's, for missing exactly. a blockout. That's, that's the old uh, Dwight but, Howard. Uh, Dwight Howard's one of the yeah. worst box routers. When he was in his prime, one of the worst box routers in the league. But he was also, yeah. like, one of the best rebounder, probably. So, you, you, yeah, you're right. You, you have know to what? Balance. All, what I came to the conclusion, like I said, try, you know what? The re, still the good rebounder still stat well. They still... They're even if the point by they are still awesome. They still do everything. Right. And now I've gotten into really the the main issue on rebounding or not. The main issue in playing is vision on the ball. It's almost like because I like nothing drives me nuts more on a guy that's so worried about blocking. I said, oh, we're getting the mission accomplished. But he doesn't. <laughs> has no sense. Yeah. The ball because hey, grab the ball. Yeah. yeah. Go get the, you know, some guys can't really, some guys really can't do it. Some guys are, or not shouldn't say can't, but aren't good at both. So if you're not good at, if you're not exceptional, you just put a body, just hit people. Get them, get them to stop coming. Get them right. to stop coming to us. That, that, that's kind of the goal there, what, the way we do things. So we've always so been the, the next, pretty good. The next question, which I think is a, a really challenging one for coaches and, you know, even just in preparing for this talk, I, I was thinking about it myself on things. So the, the reason this works for you guys is it places emphasis on all these things. So these 80 things that you guys emphasize, you know, from deflections to getting on the floor first to charges to, you know, on, on the defensive side, not getting blown by middle, not getting blown by baseline, which have different values. Like, so yeah. how do you, how do you get, so this 80 different stats. How are you getting this across to your players so they know what the emphasis is? Because, like, just, you know, I'm thinking about how we coach and we, you know, no. say things over and over again. But we don't have a list anywhere that if we ask our guys what's important, you know, which we have done, I think it's a good exercise for coaches to do. Like, you pick yeah. defense and say, what are our emphasis? And hear them raise their hands and say it to see if you're if you're getting your point across. and. And secondly, yeah. just to hear them, like them think about it, puts more emphasis on it themselves. But how are you getting 80 different things across to them uh, at, the, at that That's moment the or whatever? We do, we treat our, our really our practice is like, this, I tell them this coming into, it's more like classroom. I don't spend a lot of time, and you've seen our practice, I don't really stop practice and correct. On certain things I will, but 
but we keep it moving and we, we're counting on the video to see it. Well, and guys learn in different ways. So, you know, we'll either use your visual learner and then we use feedback, quantifying the guys that are smart that want that data, just want they'll, they'll study it. So like good students are important to us. <laughs> it's like, it is, it's very uh, analytical, but, on the same kind of big picture, we also hit these all the time. Like before we go out and play, every time we have a, we chant. I was like, "What do we do? Defend. What do we do? Rebound. What do we do? Take care of the ball." I mean, it was like that's it. Defend, rebound, take care of the ball. That's what that's what this is. This is that's the essence of it. So we're constantly hitting. What's our defense? No threes, no layups. <laughs> we, I mean, the, the the rudimentary stuff gets in there too, and that's former teaching. So you're constantly. Uh, you know, and, and what people don't understand too, and you, I think you played for an awesome coach in Fran Duffy. Um, and I like that. I had a great high school coach, great college coach, and I worked with great coaches. It's Hank Egan, Brad Holland, Randy Bennett, Joe Scott, you know, uh, Chris Mooney was my roommate. Like, I, I, my nature is actually the coaching. That skill, that craft, that's connecting with people, that's the communication part, the, that's, that's way more important than the analytics to me. So just I want that to be clear. If you can't have one without the other. So a lot of times I'm like, right. this is about getting their hearts and minds right. This is, it can't be, because it's, it, it can just pulverize them uh, mentally if they can't. Because I can see like I've been long enough, like, all right, two weeks in, like this guy, we need, he is not going to turn this around in three weeks. So we got to get smaller measurements, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, so I guess, it, I don't know if that answered your question, but just the, the main thing I said, it's a big thing. It's, a, it's still the culture of uh, talking about, we hit it every day, having a great attitude, great work ethic, pride in your program, every day. That's the big thing. And then life. Yeah. Faith, faith and family, team, academics, that's what we're working on here. You know, so it's like there's a big thing that gets guys in the details on the basketball. So it's it's always keeping that big picture, only defense, rebound, take care of the ball, simple as that. Right, and, and, I, and I think I talked about this with, with Kevin a little bit on the podcast, but um, talk a little bit about, because, you know, I, I feel like when I was a player, and maybe when you were a player, it was the same way, it was kind of like the players versus the coaches. Or Coach Dump was a, had an amazing ability of motivating us, and maybe it's generational, but to motivating us to, like, want to, almost like please him, but like prove to him that we were tough enough and good enough and, and played the, the way he wanted to play. And I think what the stats do, what your program is able to do is you guys are all on the same page. You're trying to beat basically a number. Like, can you be, yeah, we're trying, that's uh, like, can you be as efficient as you can um, as a player and as a team? Is that, is that kind of fit in? Am I, am I getting that right? I think so. I think that's a great point, and I do think it's—I do think it's somewhat generational. On and really, what here's what's funny is that my—I I mean, I, I, you know, I assume you're like this, Dave. You're probably a scrappy dude. <laughs> they had to they had to fight and claw to get on the floor and stay on the floor yep. and do that deal. Yeah, wrong. <laughs> you're <laughs> Most right. Most coaches are. <laughs> Most coaches are. So it's like your motivation. So my. Really, it's funny. So, like, I played for legendary coaches that coached the same school institution for over 30 years each. Ironically, it, they were polar opposites on on uh, how to how to succeed in the way I saw it. And and I gravitated more towards 
Um, like I said, the hustle, like my high school coach, like when college, it was talent. We were number one in the country, Division Three. We had talent. <laughs> I didn't, and I was confused. I just had to, and I had to do whatever I could to get on there, but there was no feedback, uh, data to say, like, how am I doing? Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know if we, we started off on that, uh, you know, the generational, like, it, I agree. It's, it's, it's us against this, this grid. It drives me crazy. That's why I say, I hate these things, but we're I'm trying to put this idea we're all hate. And now we've, we've incorporated the Ken Palm stats. And that's what now, right now, that's all and what I always worry about the first month is all individuals like this really trying to, especially newcomers, like really trying to rewire their brains, how they think and how they play the game. And, and it's a fun time. But now we, we loosen up on that and we start looking like, whoa, here's our team data. Here's what we're points per possession. And it's always like, hey, it's us versus that. It's us versus that. Right. And, and everyone says, like, you know what? And we just tried to make gold. We tried to get down. You know, we've done more than three before. It's like three goals a year are more than enough. We just evaluate those after every game. And the older I get, and what, what, give me an example of, of what those of what like what your team goals defensive, would be. Defensive points per possession, which is pretty all encompassing, but just a hard number. Like how do we do? You know, and we're trying, and we'll say, here's what it takes to be top thirty in the country. Which we it's a very ambitious goal. It's gonna be like we'll just go like, all right, we're one point oh four. That was 192nd in the country last year. Yeah. Not good yeah. enough. You know, just like that's and then it'd be like defensive rebounding percentage. Boom. Same idea, and then maybe it's ball uh, take care of the ball or whatever. Our, our turnovers. Turnovers, yeah. Right. Which doesn't even make sense to me. Some of those numbers, like turnover. I don't know what Ken Palm's doing. Wild, crazy, but turns out a number that like okay, so whatever it is. I guess turnover percentage. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. and, and you know, and I guess you just you said it before, but uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, your teams generally are always in the top fifty. So you've been head coach now for what, ten years? Is that or a little eight less? Years, eight years. Eight years. I think seven of the eight years you were top fifty in three point attempt percentages, and then three point attempt percentages given up, meaning that you don't give yeah. up threes and you take threes, which is statistically right where you want to be, uh, you know, in this day and age. Um, as we've learned, taking away threes is more important than your three-point percentage. Even though yeah. I just had one of my uh, uh, new managers named Simon do a study, and three-point percentage defensively was the most correlated to how the Patriot League did last year. So yeah. and I was like, that's great, but that's kind of a random number. But it's it's funny that 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 is the yeah. most important, but you can't control it. Or maybe you can. Maybe we're not. Maybe we're not well, that, realizing well, it yet. But like that'll be the next thing. What's that? The defensive three point percentage D is the hardest one. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. To control. I think, yeah. I think Ken Palm says that's that's random number. Which yeah, he does. Believe. But he says what's not random. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't believe it either, but it's it's been like proven year year in year yeah. out that there's a couple teams that can make it happen, like Syracuse, or I think there's one other team that's just always at the you know at the top of of that here's category. A, here's the immeasurable measurable that I'm trying to tap into, and I shouldn't tell you this is this is stealing. This is I know this audience. Of, I know this audience of 335 <laughs> quickly. quickly but but. I, it's a very niche group. Niche group. Very niche. Size. 
size size gets undervalued in our system because you can't it doesn't necessarily mark on the board it doesn't necessarily quantify out there so you how do you evaluate the, the size that discourages a three point attempt that doesn't mark on doesn't make a mark that's exactly that's exactly. so I think Ken Palm's off on that God, that there's some yeah, he, he, not them up. like I think I think we and you look like uh, it's funny because I know several programs that are I think I did like to do some form that we all work now that Randy Bennett has this coaching tree and I think Hawaii ourselves uh, them though those 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 uh, disparities between given up and taken are like all the same and defensive rebounding is pretty darn good on all those programs. Uh, just that's the emphasis, and that's at the end of the I day. Think a, yeah, you, just, you I think that's just like what, what the point values are, whatever whatever the point values are, we're all probably changes on. Whatever the, the heart of that was, is probably that's the residual effect. Like there's your – you don't want to – as I said, like we tweaked around the rebounding weren't as good one year. I'm like, that, that, get, stay off that. Stay with what we've been doing. Be careful. Be careful what you're doing there. Um because it's been like these, you know, I think, you know, like same thing, like St. Mary's was really big and they were just like fourth in the country in defensive rebound or something, you know, whatever. Right. It was something like that. And same thing, they don't give up threes, they chase you. That's another one that, uh, yeah, like that, you say, in your coaching, in your coaching career, your defensive rebounding has always, and, and it hasn't been, you know, your Columbia teams were always in the top two. So it, that, that was one thing if you look at, San Francisco stats before you got there versus when they got there. That was the biggest jump you guys made in defensive rebounding. So that, that's that was, pretty interesting. Uh, and that makes that, sense. That was, that was a shocking revelation and tribute to probably what the program, what this, obviously doing for six years, what it could do in a, in a, in a six month period. Yeah. I think it was a, we were, and now we lost some, some guys left that were good offensive players. Like, oh, I was 19 a game as a sophomore. Right. And who else? I lost another uh, guy that um, left where it was like seven and seven. And I was like, two. I was a senior. I was like, two good talents. And so obviously we're a little terrified. And I think we're just a terrible defensive team, terrible rebounding team, played small all the time. And by the end of the year, we couldn't score. <laughs> and But we were nailed defensively, and we were really tough on the defensive class. We just didn't give them any, we didn't give them any second shots. So, um, whether that's where that's just, that was just like that, that again helped helped us tremendously. And like I think we produced, like I said, we didn't set any goals. We still don't. On this, it's game to game, and, and I, I, I despise saying it, but like trust the process because I, I hate what the Sixers did. It's just disgusting. I know you're a Philly guy. So, no, 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 no. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jersey guy. I go north. I'm a New York, uh, New York okay, fan yeah. over Philly fan. Thank so. God. Is it what you just got? <laughs> you just got lost on your selection of basketball people who ended up in that that city. But totally, <laughs> the whole idea is like I can't stand anything that that is the incentive. The NBA to incentivize them to lose to get better is just it's just cross. It's not right. So anyway, but but like that's the idea. It's like all right, we're getting a better result than we thought. Let's just keep working on it, keep hacking away, try to improve it. Then there's every year. Let's, let's see what we can do. Um, it'll be I, I want to bring it back. Uh, I, I kind of got away from it, but uh, That's all right. the three-point attempt percentage, offense and defense. What, what do you, what do you do to one 
prevent that and or prevent it on the defensive side and on the offensive side encourage it, I guess. Is that in the hustle stats or is that just you know what? Uh, it's funny. scheme? We, we, it's one of the weirdest things in the world because we don't – I don't feel like we harp on it and practice at all. Um, but we're near the top. And there's another metric I don't know. We're near the top on – we don't take many mid-range twos, but I really don't talk about it. In fact, we practice a lot recently just trying to because I, I almost i feel like we're somewhat robotic like hey it's only you know they are pretty compliant it was like it's a three-year layup or whatever i'm like shake and i want some of our better scores i don't want them to feel like they have any limitations um right figure out what the good shot is and like you know got a guard like that whatever so um and i don't know and and i think that, that the three-point attempt is just I think that's just like, hey, we just don't want to give them up. I think some of that's actually the defensive way we defend, and that goes back to this is not analytical, but that was just um, uh, we had a great like Randy and I worked with this guy Roy Shuri, who's legendary coach of the century in Arizona. But so I think that's more like the way we teach things. Like we don't get screened a lot. Um, I think I don't feel like we're just laying on screens because that's a big part of our defense is just beating screens. Um, beating so screens on the top side, like trailing, or just giving them the freedom to run up and like just like, think we're just committed to not getting screened either way. And so we don't like. Is that something you can practice? Because we've had we have a couple guys that I'm trying to work with on. Like, it's like they, we call it, that like you have a magnet to his chest. Like, why are you running into his chest? Like, uh, is that yes. something you practice? Yes, we call it getting sideways. We call it getting sideways. Get and sideways. so we beat, we beat all screens with our – what we call – I think it has to do with this. Let's go going Coach Jerry. It's like we, uh, two two terms we use all the time. Or I guess it's worth three. We talk about pointing ball in the hand, which is fundamental. You first learn defense, right? We're still doing that in college. Get your pistols out, and then you have your ball foot up and your chest to man. So the idea that your ball foot up, so you're a little closed, if that makes sense to you. So if you're pointing the ball, so your your chest and your body are kind of angled towards your man, yeah, you're pointing, okay. you're seeing the ball. So, okay. and as the screen comes, you're going sideways at it, and you're either trailing it or you're beating it up inside, but you're sideways. You don't get square. Like those guys that get hit. I don't think they can play. Yeah, I don't no, think they you can. That it's, it's that that's a really important like aspect of the game is like just getting no, around no, no. the screen. It break it breaks you down so bad if you're the pinball. If you're the guy that's that bouncing off screen, it's hard to recover. Especially that is actually one of your hustle stats. I think now that I'm like when I went over them, is that isn't it getting screened one of the yeah, got crash screened. crash in or like yeah crashed yeah into screen. Is, Get screened, it's just a huge negative, and uh, whatever. Yeah. Just, so I think that's. I think it's. Here's what leads to threes. Here's what we work on a lot: penetration. Keep that thing out of the paint, and getting screened. And some, you know, sometimes they leave. Well, getting screened will lead to oh, or or just get you. Right. You know, you just want to stay. You want to get out of. You don't want to. We work on rotations, but you don't work too much. I hate that. I mean, I'm not worried. I, I'd like to not have to switch. I'd like to not have to, you know, uh, rotate out as much as we can. 
and it really gets down to anything that we really work more on since the game's changed. We put, and this is quite funny, where you become creature habit, where, you know, everyone does that. I don't know everyone, but you start off with your shell, all your form position, and you're to work on beating screens, you know, singles, doubles, whatever, trips, or, you know, flares, whatever. You're just, you know, we bring all that stuff out of shell, but it's like we get right to the ball screen coverage quick. Because if you're able to be screens and, and guard people's actions that way, it's going to get to it. It's, everything's that either starting the ball screen and the ball screen. Um, so trying to – and that keeps, keeps people out of penetration. And, and you changed your ball screen coverage – how many years in? Let's see. Uh, year, I want to say year two at Columbia, possibly, um, or year three. And then, I've I got to be honest, when I went out east, I didn't know what icing was. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's why I phrased the question that way, because about eight yeah, years like, ago, no one was icing. I yeah, know, what is no one was doing it, so that's why I phrased it that way because I knew it couldn't have been uh, started that no. way. No, now no, 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 a lot of teams no. are doing it, and you guys, I thought, you know, we played you guys last year. I thought that was uh, yeah, no. really effective for you guys because we 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 punish ball screens and and uh, even icing. Yeah, no, even I, I think ice we usually punish, but yeah, no, I, I like you know, I I'm terrified. I think that's where we play Patriot League teams. Like, yo, take the ice off, bro. Because yeah. these guys carve you, and they'll be flicking threes. It's like you open yourself up to uh, getting, you know, that that's good. That's great for, you know, protecting your big whopper if you're playing big. And it's like such a different game. Some of those, we get some of those, like, you're playing Lafayette, whatever, you know. I mean, they used to, some of those teams they had where, you know, the ball's fucking around, like, whoa. Um, <laughs> but it's like, that's crazy. But, uh it was really Harvard and Penn. The bigger, stronger teams were doing it to us. I was like, well, I, and we had a big center, so we went to that. And we used to, and actually, St. St. Mary's, I guess, kind of, we went more center field with them because we had a big whopper and just kind of tighten them down, you know, whatever they call it, drop, or we call it center field. Um, and then that, we were kind of getting, we weren't really getting carved up, but the ball's getting paint too much. So we got to, we got to, we can't play it this way or whatever. So then we, we made that transition. Someone there, and then when we came to San Francisco, Todd Golden, who did it, I think he probably, he did a great job with us at his last year at Columbia. He kind of had the defense, and then he kind of fine-tuned it with him. He was at Auburn, and I think it was, you know, some of they did, it was more the NBA. He, he came back with different terms. He's like, dude, I coached you for five years. I coached you for this. What are these terms? <laughs> Stop saying those terms. We have terms. But, but he really put more... He really had some good things, I think, to the whatever, just just kind of fine tune it. And I think that's important. It's like we've got to get this is especially some of the teams like St. Mary's is the most efficient offensive team in the country, Gonzaga, and so much of that they've changed the way they play. Or it's you know, they're really playing out really good guards and, and you know, their their pick and roll stuff is really tough to guard. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a major part of the game now. Um, uh, jumping, jumping kind of back to the hustle stats real quick. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, just the buy-in from players. Like, wh- are they, are the players always bought in? Do they know what they're, like, do they just see a number and be like, ah, oh, I got a 26 today, or I don't even know what the, a good number is for a day? Or, 
It's a common question. I always say that, you know, we always line up. We give them the feedback after day of practice. Best producer to buy. Uh, it's just like kindergarten, right? You know, you get your stars and everything. So you know you have buy-in when they're all running up there to go look and see where they how they did. And then the guys that usually grumble about it are the names that filter the buy. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. But are they like? Do you have like in practice? I, I mean, I'm such a I'm such a dick. This is what I would have done. Like, obviously, I would have known every single stat, and like shot would go, and I'd get two feet in the paint, and I'd probably be yelling down the court, two feet in the paint plus two, give me that, yes. like yeah, you know yeah, things yeah. like that. And you probably, so they, you probably like that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, you definitely got a couple sucker punches, but it, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> it happened the other day. Like we're getting out the last competing, and really we had six guys or. Competing, you know, kind of separated our six guys really competing for five spots. But you have a huge swing in the day in our practice. It's like, and I just, and one guy kind of broke the other one. And in the sense that, like, guy got hit on the screen, didn't contest, and he just he yelled out, and he banged the shot, and he yelled out, no contest, minus four. Said, <laughs> There's mine. There's mine. Those guys. So that means, like, and that's when you, we have to honor the scissor, like, all right. He's in. You got it, bro. Let's go with it. Let's see what you got. Because um, and that's otherwise, if you don't, that's the hard part, man. I got one of the guys that played a lot for me. He's like our tenth guy right now. I'm like, come on, man. You're killing us. You're killing us. Um, but uh, I gotta let. I have to for the sake. That's what I said. They're not NBA guys. They're not pro. They're whatever. Not gonna. You know. There is value and experience and playing games and trust in my end. Like, that could be my bias talking to. But, you know, the deal under pressure of a competitive situation, you're going to go back to probably, you know, like, oh, geez, I need that guy to do that. He's done it before. I feel comfortable with him there. So I don't, that could be me. But, but yeah, well, a, I think it all comes down to the buy-in. But I think what you were saying before, it all comes down to, you know, you got to produce. Yeah. You got to produce. You earn, you you earn. The, you, you gotta, uh, like, the outcomes. It's like, whatever it is in anything like, it's like, I imagine it's, you're, you're a pen guy, so, like, economics is like, anytime you subsidize anything, or you have to, you're going to get more of it, or, or the idea that you can't, you have to honor the results. You have to honor the outcomes. Yep. Even though you think, well, how can that be? Yeah, you know, it's really been unsaid. Yeah, otherwise, years. there's no point to it. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise, I've been doing no it. That's why right. I don't mind sharing it. Because <laughs> it's hard for me to do it 20 years in. Uh, yeah. And I, and it was funny, my our women's coach at Columbia, who's an awesome coach, definitely, she had a coaching one. She, she was like, I really want to know. And, you know, so we spent some time with it. She liked it. We were like, at the end of the conversation, she goes, but what if your best players aren't in the top five? And I was like, <laughs> I was like no, then they're not your best players. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, no, no, exactly. No. I'm, like, I'm like, don't do this. I just said, whatever you do, don't do it. I, that's the biggest talent I've ever had in my life. Say, because it will be some of your best talents won't buy in or what it will, they're going to test you. And if you cave to them, you undermine the whole, the whole production. And I think the buy-in hopefully, like we educate the newcomers, like you have an opportunity to play and some people can grasp it, some people get it, you're really bright guys, you because we preach on the front end. The ones that really want in there are going to do whatever they can. 
and that some they don't even know. I don't even put it like they're really it's just it's just overwhelming to them. Yeah, that's then, what that that was. That's the always the tricky part is the over. You know, uh, I think, and I've said this to Kevin, and I don't know why. Maybe you can give me your thoughts on it, but to have so many, would it be more beneficial to have five key offense, five key defense, five key rebounding? And they I, all I know so. those five emphases. But that's think so. but then does that not that's, capture everything no, that we're I, trying I, to capture I, with this? It's almost like the 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 down I think it's only fifty, you put A V out there, but fifty's absurd. <laughs> but and I even would want for the coaches for really for the coaches, I'd like to have hundred and fifty. Like if it's just <laughs> Right. But not for the players, or I'm sharing too much of the players, like but to find your, like, more so, like, I want to get down the ball screen coverage. It doesn't matter, like, okay, you had an on-ball error, but here's the deal. We're not tracking how many ball screens were you involved with. So, like, our point guards get hit more. And here's a dispute. Like, they, they get more on-ball coverage errors. Well, they're in the ball screen. Of course, yeah. Of course, than your of course. Ball yeah. So, like, but they also don't have the same rebound. Like, so those things I said, so it's definitely flawed, but that's what I want to know. I don't know exactly what the number is, how many how many times you're in that. So I don't know if, if you defend it efficiently 90% of the time. Are you a great defender? Um, I don't know. So things like that. That's what I'm saying to do. But I'm, I'm with you on, and I, even when the first, that was the hardest thing, the first year taking over, like at Columbia, was that I didn't know one of my staff had done it. And I said, I got to dumb this down for myself, but we're, you know, we're going to dumb it down. And we did right. slim it down. And still had to get in. It was funny because I was a team that couldn't score, um, but was pretty good defensively the year before and had decent talent. By the end of my first year there, we were the highest scoring team in the Ivy League. Couldn't stop anybody. Because I skewed right. it, I, I dumbed it down. I wanted to make sure we could make baskets. I wanted to sell, sell the program on that. And then I realized quickly about year two, I said, we're not going to win many games playing this way. So get back to what, you know, got to be able to stop somebody. Got to right. be able to find right. a way. Now it's not like we're fighting to get average defensively there because it's who we personnel. We got when we had some good offensive players, but if we get average off defensively, we could be we had a chance to be pretty good. All right, I, I'm I, I'm going to finish up here. I, I want to go through a couple quick hitters here. I know quick hitters for you will probably be tough, but uh, it, you can answer however you want. Um, okay. who, you didn't know this. I didn't know I was going to be selling the <laughs> basketball for the entire time. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, who has been the highest hustle stats guy in your coaching career? You know, it used to really skew the big guys. So I would, I would say it was Omar Samman and or Diamond Simpson. From um, when, okay. where, where were they? There was that St. Mary's like 2008, 2009, and I believe we were like plus 10 on the board. They're just two. We got every rebound. And, they just they they really were workers. That that was okay. the two that come to mind. Dylan and then of uh, yeah, that was gonna be. I just can kind of you can kind of answer the next question uh, of the studs. You, you know, you've coached a lot of really good players: Deladova, Patty Mills, yeah. Model Low, um, couple guys on your team now. Uh, who yeah. of the guys that are you know major players? Who's kind of bought in the most and kind of uh, been been with it? There's no second place in this. Is uh, a first year 
guy was, and I only coached him one year, was Delavadova because he was, he has incredible mental toughness and the whole thing bought in. And and even, I mean, he really, for a freshman, he got in there on a good team and went to the Sweet 16. He wasn't the top as a freshman. I, I know he pounded it out the next three years. Which is the other guy that beat him out as a threat was McConnell, who was a player of the year in the league himself. So those two guards and we started playing them 40 minutes. They, they became like their, their toughest thing to just play both and never took them out of the game for, but <laughs> that's kind of crazy. So that was Delavado. And then, uh, then there's stories like Todd Golden and Bo Levesque, who were guys that, you know, were, um, really paid for the first two years or non-scholarship guys, but were kind of, the recruited walk-on, as you would say, or they carved themselves into being just nails. And like I said, they're really – that's a great spot for where we're talking about the fourth or fifth option. They just make any mistakes. They're flawless. And they're right. the ones also tallying up their totals during practice. Yeah. Do, I mean, those two, especially Golden, like, would, you know, call you and say, I think it's plus 36 today, Coach. I, I, <laughs> My man. <laughs> You know, no, you can imagine. So, like, I love it. So there's like two different lot. Like Diamond is not like Diamond is like one of the highest. He was just raw data producer, like block shots, steals. You know, like, and, and I don't think he was. He was pretty instinctual and would kind of steer him in the right path on the, the fundamentals. And the other ones are just straight give it done on. That's what I need to do. You know, I'm gonna be that much more precise on everything I do. Every movement matters. My last last question. Your assistant coaches, you've now been part of two programs, had uh, a lot of the same guys, but just a general question. Don't don't spe- specify them, I guess. But uh, yeah. you looking for recruiters or more be- or more basketball knowledge guys? Well, it depends where we are in the program. Today's just a very long answer. <laughs> no, <laughs> the, it really does. It depends where we are in the program. Like when we're starting the program. Uh, I'm probably going to, my thing is always one of our slogans in Colton is worry about the ones you have, not the ones you don't. Because uh, I think the rest of the 351 put so much time and effort into recruiting and chasing their tail and, uh, that you forget the ones that you just signed that you told them it's going to be a great experience. So you've got to make sure that you're servicing them. And that takes time and energy and thought. And and like I said, we're pretty work intensive. So like starting a program, that's we're starting one up. I want coaches. I want guys that are going to be future head coaches. That you know whatever the idea is that they're more coaching. I always look at a assistant coach and I break it down like what's their coach to recruiting ratio? Uh, are you a fifty fifty guy? You're eighty percent eighty twenty guy? Um, right. Are you two way player through both. So um, it depends where. And it really shifts my goal. Like if I have a staff that's heavy. Contrary in the hustle staff and coaching and, you know, like, what about quality possessions and everything? Spend four hours a day on that. Well, I go, well, I got to pick up the phone. I got to start recruiting myself. The head coach, head coach now, <laughs> this guy, this guy's too invested in that. It's time for me to, uh, in fact, I have a rule for my assistant that every time you do that quality possession, you better make a recruiting call. So whatever. <laughs> but, but ideally, if you can find, there's two of these guys out there and you, uh, you know, I, I don't kind of contradicts what we're doing, but if you have a guy, there's some guys that just, you know, always involve players. Um, it'd be nice to have one of those guys that, that, that you know, whatever, but I've always kind of like, ah, it's not, because like, like I said, my background's coaching and teaching. And like I said, like, not into that stuff. Anyway. 
but I don't know if we're getting left behind on that. But and sometimes we, we, when we sell out the recruiting, we can't paint that. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. So when they're when they're getting smashed by the hustle staff, they're not in there. How are they going to respond to that? So right. I'll answer the question. But the idea is that try to we're trying to develop coaching staff to be both. But a part of our recruiting is selling this. We're not we're we're transparent. We're not going to shock you like this. We call it nerd ball for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's, yeah. No, you, you can't. Really... If you lie in the recruiting process, it's gonna it's gonna come out. It'll, you know, you got to show them what it is. Lie. You're gonna have to keep lying for a while. Exactly. So, you, exactly. Like I, I tell everyone that we're not selling cars here. You don't you don't get them on the dock line and they drive off the lot and never be seen again. We have we we own them for the next four or however long they're gonna be here. So I think that's. So I just always like, hey, let's be transparent. Let's tell them what's about. The guys that really want this will come. Is that enough to get to the top of the league? We're going to find out. I said, we're going to go. go right. We're going to go down swing with what we believe in. But I think, you know, I well, think we're well, I, I, I'll let you get back to worrying about your guys. And, uh, you know, I, I'm obviously really excited for you guys this year. I think you guys can have a great year. Uh, we'll be rooting for you out here. And uh, good luck to you. Thanks for coming on. This is fun. And uh, I'm no. sure I'll see you around. No, I hope uh, it, was, it was great. I've been listening to them all. I, at least it's, I'm not, you know, I'm not very, I'm kind of a Luddite technology wise. It's like one of the only <laughs> things I have downloaded on my phone is the, 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 the Snapchat podcast. I've listened to it. I love it. I had a bad your brother in law, so what do I have to do to get on? No. But anyway, it's been awesome. <laughs> uh, appreciate it. And, uh, you know, definitely a fan of the Red Raiders program. Uh, hopefully not no longer the Red Raiders. No longer the you were in Central Park we? a long time ago. It's uh, just the Raiders, just the Raiders. <laughs> was Red was Red, Red was offensive? I, I don't. I don't even, Red was offensive. I, 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 uh, got got taken away uh, maybe a decade ago, or maybe a little bit more. Did it really? Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm old. I'm about to get fired. Anyway, all right, brother. <laughs> all right, I'll talk to you.